What's up, guys? This is Brandon from the Life of an Average Joe podcast. I don't care about that song. I got to tell you, <laughs> I have never, ever enjoyed that song. I think there was a moment on Empire Records when they did that song, and it was just the scene that they were doing that I was like, you know what? This is, this is funny. But I have never, ever liked that song. Oh, gosh. Look, I'm only playing it because of the topic at hand. And this is MTV's podcast, or I should say, I want my MTV, or I used to want my MTV on the Life of an Average Joe podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, by the way. Um, you know, I hope you guys have been enjoying the shows. Uh, started that new series last month, Short Stories from the Average Joe. That's been pretty cool. Um, I've got two done so far. I guess technically one, so if you haven't listened to that, short stories from the average Joe, it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a short story from my life. You know, just a, a quick 15 minute story about something cool that has happened, tragic, funny, interesting, just things I'm like, you know what? I, I wanna tell people and, and that's what I'm doing. So check it out. If you have listened to it, thanks. And don't forget to leave your comments. You know, if you're listening right here on Anchor, you can leave a comment. You can send me a message. You can also do that on Spotify, or you can give me a, a review on Apple Podcast. You know, good or bad. But hey, I'm not here to promote all day long. I'm here to talk about MTV. MTV. I'm, now, I'm going to date myself, okay? <sighs> here we go. MTV just turned 40. So it launched... <laughs> they got to think about the time frame it was in. It launched on August 1st, 1981, so it just turned 40. Now I was born November 10th, 1978, okay? So I was watching MTV, maybe not fully understanding everything about it, but I've been essentially watching MTV since day one. Now, I, I couldn't tell you the last time that I, that I watched anything current on MTV, if it's even around, and I know it is in, in some aspect, but Recently, though, I've been thinking about MTV, and, and a lot of it had to do with the, bir with the birthday. It was funny because I, I planned this podcast, and I was thinking about doing an MTV thing because it was a huge part of my life, because music is huge in my life. I mean, you've, if you guys listened to more than one episode of the Life of an Average Joe podcast, then you, you know how much I love music. I mean, from the music episodes to my interview with Matt Bell to my upcoming interview with, um, I have a couple local artists I'm going to interview, to uh, the live uh, episode I'm doing from the Guns N' Roses concert next month. Music is a huge part of my life, and, and I love music. MTV was the premier music destination. It really was. I mean, if you were trying to watch the best music videos, to hear the latest news, I mean, this is all before any social media, before the internet, before any of this stuff, you had to listen to the radio. You had to sub subscribe to magazines, music magazines, go to your later, latest, uh, excuse me, latest record shop. Yes, I said record because we were still talking about records and VHS or, I mean, cassette tapes before we got to CDs. That's what you had to do. You had to go to your venues I mean, to find out. But MTV was putting the music videos and the artists first. It was 
huge. And that song, Video Killed the Radio Star, was the first music video ever shown on MTV. Why? I, I don't know. I'd have to do some research on that. And this isn't about the history of MTV. This is just kind of giving you a little background of, of how important it was in the, in the world of music. Um, now, what they did in the beginning was it was music videos around the clock. And you had v VJs, video jockeys. Okay, there you go. That were, you know, kind of doing, hey, this got this video coming up, check it out. Hey, here's a new video from this. Hey, here's a new... And that's what it was all about. Um, but, but that shortly changed and developed because they got... Um, they literally got so big that people were demanding they wanted their MTV. They would call up their local cable provider and demanding, I want my MTV, which is what turned into their slogan, I want my MTV. That's what it was, that's what it was all about. They wanted their MTV. So when they did that, it became such a marketing genius that they put it on t-shirts, they put it everywhere. MTV, I want my MTV. And they showed the astronaut planting the flag, the MTV flag on the moon. That became iconic. They didn't realize it till years later, um, but that became iconic. And it was, it was a big deal. I'm sorry, I'm having some technical difficulties. So if you hear me stuttering or stopping, I'm trying to fix these because I really don't want to go back and start over. So there you go. But MTV, 40 years of music videos and big moments on MTV. I mean, the debut of Michael Jackson's Billie Jean, which came out in 1983 on the Thriller album, was huge. I mean, you have to think about Michael Jackson back then. He was one of the first black artists to get that heavy rotation on MTV. It was a huge deal. And Billie Jean was the massive video. First off, the lyrics of the song, controversial to begin with, back then in 83. But to have Michael Jackson at a time when MTV was really not diversifying their music, let's just be real. They would play specific artists in certain areas of their time slots. So, and what I mean by that, and I'll just say it, David Bowie, you know, if you ever want to hear an amazing artist besides the fact that he's David Bowie, call out MTV for not playing black artists. Look up that interview. Matter of fact, I'll post it on the Life of an Average Joe Facebook page and Instagram if I can, because it is one of the greatest interviews ever because he, he puts them on the spot. He makes that, and I forgot who was interviewing him at the time, but he makes him backpedal. He basically says, why are you not playing this music? And you should hear you should hear the answer why they weren't playing black music. But Michael Jackson broke that stereotype. He did. It, it, he was groundbreaking for that. I don't want to say stereotype. He, he broke the mold. Because why weren't they playing black music? I guess I could do a whole podcast about that. But anyway, that was a big one. We also had another big one that was playing. Just to give you an idea what was playing at the time. Duran Duran Rio was huge. I mean, you've got to, if you don't know that song... Rio was massive. Um, Radiohead came out years later with Paranoid Android. Um, these are all debuts, just to kind of show you the developing music videos of MTV. But MTV was MTV was just 
massive in their marketing. And they started to develop and grow off of that. They started to say, okay, wait a minute, we've got something here. Besides music videos, what if we did concerts? So they would start to do concerts. And by do concerts, I mean they would show concerts from around the world. They would start to go back and, and, and any footage from old concerts or new concerts, they would show. Again, it was a lot harder to do to film concerts at the time, but they would do it. Then they started to do live music. And then they started to have the New Year's Eve special, the countdowns, and it evolved over the decades. Different genres of music came together. They had blocks, they had the pop block, rock block, hip hop. And then they started to really formulate who they were as, okay, we defined ourselves as music television. Now we're gonna have the countdown. Now we're gonna have breaking news, MTV news. Now we're gonna have the MTV New Year's Eve countdown with the greatest songs all year and live performances. I mean, it was a big, it was a big deal. And let's not forget TRL. When TRL took place in the 90s, the 90s for MTV was another launching pad because it was when they started to develop shows. And so they had TRL with Carson Daly, Total Request Live. All the songs that you wanted to request, you could. You could call in, you could email, and they would put the songs on. And the most songs or the most votes or whatever would get played. And they would go through the number ones, they, they would go through the number twos, they would go through, and it was, it was huge. And they would have special guests on. And, but then T, the MTV said, we gotta go, we gotta do one better. Because not only are we showing these, these great shows, we gotta come up with original programming. Enter shows like Beavis and Butthead, The Real World, Celebrity Deathmatch, True Life, Dara, uh, real rule, uh, the road rules, all these shows. Now, when you're a kid, now remember I was born in 78 and music has always been a part of my life, always been a part of my life. When I was younger, I loved music. I, I remember saving, and I believe it was from cereal. Don't quote me on that. I was saving cereal UPC codes, the barcodes. You had to save so many and and mail them in to get stuff. And I saved to get tapes. I got a Walkman, a Sony Walkman for Christmas, or for my birthday, and it was red, red and black. And I could play tapes, and I think I got one tape with it. It might have been Thriller. It might have been Michael Jackson, actually. I, I really can't remember. Up until recently, I had those tapes. But on the serial, I'm almost positive it was serial. They had an option where you could save your UPC codes, barcodes, mail them in. And so you had to have like 10 or 8 or I don't know. And you could pick from these certain tapes. And I got Huey Lewis in the News, the album 4. <laughs> because I remember seeing the videos on MTV. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get Huey Lewis and the News. And I got, the, um, I got the album, I mailed it in, and I was so excited. It came in the mail wrapped up. It had like a sticker with it. And I was like, this is great. But it also had the, it also, I, I knew all the songs, you know? I mean, Huey Lewis had major hits. So I would just put it in my Walkman. But I was watching those videos on MTV. They would show. 
they would show all those videos and I was like, this is awesome. I think I tried to get a second tape and I, I think I got like Aretha Franklin. There wasn't many options for me back then, but I look, I got no problem with the Queen of Soul, okay? Back then, I mean, I listened to Aretha. I listened to everybody. From Prince to David Bowie, Huey Lewis, Michael Jackson, Striper. Uh, I mean, dude, when, when Bobby Brown's new album came out, Guns N' Roses, Skid Row. I mean, I listened to everything. I love music. Um, but I was like, hey, man, this is really cool. I think the album was four by Huey Lewis in the news. I have to look that up. But it was a major, major, major record label for, for um, Huey Lewis. Yeah, it was four. F-O-R-E. Okay. <laughs> Which, by the way, you can buy it. You can buy the album. The album for eleven ninety nine on Amazon right now. There you go. But it was a major success for him. So that, that released in 1986, five years after, Huey, or after um, MTV came out. Came out with that huge hit, Stuck With You, and Jacob's Ladder. J uh, Stuck With You was a great video because it was based off The Bride of Frankenstein. And I think that's what really got me because I saw that video on MTV and I was like, dude, I love this album. And I got it. I got the cassette tape. Anyway, I digress. But I was such an MTV guy and the fact that I could turn on MTV anytime and find videos. And sometimes you had no idea because it was just this open marketing, like this open network where they were just showing videos. But when they started to formulate the programming and have, you know, Headbangers Ball and, and the rock session and then they had the hip hop, uh, I don't know what it was called, uh, Yo MTV Raps. I remember using the, uh, buying the Yo MTV Raps cards, trading cards, and you would trade these like with hip hop artists. Tupac, well, this was before Tupac, so I had Ice Cube, um, Ice-T, Tone Loke, uh, Young MC. I mean, and we would trade those cards around. But it became a program, and Yo MTV Raps started, it actually first aired on MTV Europe from 1987 was the, the first one. It didn't hit it didn't hit MTV US until 88, which is interesting. But it was a two-hour program totally dedicated to rap and hip-hop. I think it I think it stopped playing in like 96, because at that point they were just mixing music videos. And then they brought it back for a little bit in 97, and then they went to 2005, if I'm not mistaken. 2004. But Yo MTV Raps was was one of the ways to just spread the love of hip-hop because at the time again hip-hop wasn't getting major airplay on mtv it started to but it wasn't getting the airplay as other artists and then it finally took off and naughty by nature was one of the most popular videos and albums to come out that mtv used with the you know opp that was huge they also had a, a song that came out that was huge on MTV by Public Enemy. It was called By the Time I Get to Arizona. That came out in 1991, but they got pulled because of, they said it was too violent. So MTV Raps, Yo MTV Raps said, we're going to show this anyway, but they got pressure and had to pull it. Then they came out, this was years later, just to kind of let you know what happened with hip-hop then. Cypress Hills, How Could I Just Kill a Man? That almost got pulled from MTV. Used to come on every day. 92 to 93, it was once a week. And it was two hours on Fridays after midnight. They moved it. Because during that time, 
gangster rap was, was taking such a huge forefront and attack by the media and an attack by our government and censorship was coming, the labels, the warning labels, MTV backed away and said, we got to put this on late at night. But I was such a fan. Now, I couldn't always stay up. Now, obviously, in the, in the early 90s, 92, 91, I couldn't stay up and watch Yo! MTV raps at midnight. I'd sneak it sometimes, but I'd record it. I would put my VHS tape in and record it because I had my own little setup in the bedroom. I'd have my TV, my Nintendo, and then I had PlayStation, my VCR, and I'd record Yo! MTV raps. I'd go back and watch it the next morning. So instead of Saturday morning cartoons... I'd watch MTV raps. I'd watch whatever I missed. There were times I would just hit record until that eight-hour tape ran out. And for those of you that don't know or remember VHS tapes, you used to have the settings. You could do four hours, six hours, or eight hours. Some tapes wouldn't let you control the, how you could record. They, only, they were only a four-hour tape. But there were settings. If you did it on slow mode, you could get eight hours. So I'd get eight-hour tapes of MTV, go through and check it out. I'm glad I did that because that's how I found out breaking news. When Kurt Cobain killed himself, that's how I found out. Because I recorded it because I wasn't around. I don't remember if I was sleeping or if I was home or doing something or working or whatever. But that's how I found out Kurt Cobain killed himself. When Guns N' Roses broke up, that's how I found out. I mean, all that breaking news with Kurt Loader, which I'm going to get to that in a minute about Kurt Loader. But... MTV was iconic. I mean, when they came out and started to do the MTV Unplugs, some of the best music I've ever seen was on MTV Unplugged. When they did Alice in Chains, MTV Unplugged, Nirvana. Now, I have to admit, I am not a huge Nirvana fan. I'm excited, guys. If you can't tell, I'm excited. I've had a lot of coffee this morning, and I'm just excited about this This. I'm all over the place. I probably should have wrote it down and focused more, but I can't help it. I'm going to focus now. Um, when I, so I'm not a big Nirvana fan. I'm not. I know it's, I know people are going to be like, what? I've heard you play him and all that. And, and I, look, Luke, my son, likes Nirvana. Or as he calls it, Kurt. The first song that he really liked by Kurt Cobain or, or Nirvana was Smells Like Teen Spirit. And he started to recognize the voice in the guitar before he knew that Kurt was the guy singing and the band's name was Nirvana. Now, he's, on, he's almost four. He'll be four next month. We used to rock out. We'd get the guitar, the microphone, and the drum set, and we'd set out. Now, we still rock out to music. We don't do it as much as we used to, but I'm talking last summer. We probably did it every day um, or at least several times a week. Now, we probably do it a couple times a month. You know, he's just, he's into music, but he likes to just watch the music videos and sit back and hang out. But I kind of got into Nirvana more because of him. I don't think they're bad. I don't think that they're not talented. I've just never, I like Foo Fighters more than Nirvana. I'm just going to tell you. And maybe it's because, you know, we, we were kind of robbed when it came to Kurt Cobain. We didn't get to see him fully go the distance or maybe we did I don't know there's a part of me that I'm going to say it and I know it's going to make people upset but just hear me out there's a part of me that kind of thought they were overrated again I'm not bashing them I'm just this is just my opinion it means nothing 
But maybe they weren't overrated. Maybe it was because the time that they hit the scene. Because you gotta remember that grunge rock took off. We were still phasing out of the late 80s, early 90s rock with GNR and Metallica and things like that. But when we had Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, um, Stone Temple Pilots came a little bit later, Nirvana, that was a, I mean, that was that Seattle grunge, it was new. And when those guys stripped down, I'm, when I watched that, I remember watching, my buddy was a huge Nirvana fan. And he, he, I think I was at his house or he was at my house and he said, hey, Nirvana's doing MTV Unplugged, we gotta watch it. Now I could have been a jerk and be like, no way, dude, I don't want it. But I was like, yeah, okay, I'm appreciative of music. Even if I don't like it, I'm gonna listen. And I watched that whole performance. That was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. To me, that was Kurt Cobain in his finest. That was Nirvana in its finest. Stripped down, acoustic, storytelling. They did some covers. And to me, one of the best covers of all time, The Man Who Sold the World by David Bowie. I am a Bowie fan, a huge Bowie fan. I think everybody knows that. They did it better. I enjoy their version better than Bowie's. It was amazing. And I loved it. And I remember watching that. We would watch that on a regular basis. Well, then it became like a thing. We watched the Pearl Jam one, Alice in Chains. Um, gosh, we, did, we watched the Cranberries. I mean, MTV was cranking out this original, and, and not just putting out like, hey, here's a performance. They were just putting out amazing music. Amazing music. Um, And, sorry, my, my phone just, or my computer just blipped out on me. But they, So it wasn't just a performance. It was, again, amazing music. So we were watching some of these artists that maybe I liked. Like, I like the Cranberries a lot. But, I'm, I mean, they're not one I think about all the time. But when I saw that performance from the Cranberries, or, again, 10,000 Maniacs or whatever, um, or whatever. I always want to say 1,000 Maniacs. But it's uh, Natalie Merchant, I believe, was the lead singer of 10,000 Maniacs. I, they were okay, but when I watched that MTV performance, you got to see the this unplugged, stripped-down, real artist go to work. And I was like, man, I, I appreciate that so much more. And then they started putting out the albums, but by this time it was CDs. So not only did we get to watch this, we got to buy the albums. And, it, and when they would drop those albums, oh my gosh, it was a big deal. It was huge we would go buy these albums and you could never i mean there's some of these things you could never ever hear again because they it was like sometimes they would play them once and then they would stop then they would maybe play them again and then they would stop but just to give you an idea we would record these because it started mtv unplugged started in 89 with with small artists i mean I know 10,000 Maniacs did it, the Smithereens did it, but I wasn't really into a lot of those. I was into more of the later stuff in the 90s when like Stevie Ray Vaughan and, and Joey Satriani did it. Uh, the Indigo Girl, Sinead O'Connor, Elton John, Hall & Oates, Aerosmith. I'm reading these, I'm reading my notes. The Black Crows, 
amazing. And we could buy them. You could buy them all. Um, some of them didn't get released till later. Example, Pearl Jams didn't get released. It, I think they did theirs in 92. They didn't release theirs to like 2000 on CD. You could get bootleg copies and stuff like that, but it didn't get released on CD to like 2000 or maybe 2001. But the very last MTV Unplugged, I think they just recently did one. And I think it was 2020 and it was Miley Cyrus. I gotta admit, I didn't watch that one. I did watch Wyclef Jean's 2020 MTV Unplugged. But when you, when, when you think about these artists that I just talked about, and then you listen to JoJo and Youngblood, no offense to Youngblood, Youngblood's pretty good, but Shaggy, I mean, I don't know, Monster X. I don't like Monster X at all. But you listen compared to the guys like Phil Collins, Aerosmith, Queensryche, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. They were setting, their, they were, I should say they were cementing themselves in music history. And I would come home from school and be like, what did I record last night? Or I'd come home from school and be like, I don't have to work today. I got no homework. Even if I did have homework, I'm gonna watch MTV. And I try to watch the countdown. When Guns N' Roses came out with User Illusion 1 and 2, I was voting every day on that TRL, on the top 10 countdown. I was voting. You just call the 800 number, click your vote, press number one for November Rain. And I was determined to get November Rain, the number one. And I don't think I had, a, I had to worry about that. Because November Rain to this day is still one of my all-time favorite songs ever. I don't listen to it every day. I might go months without listening to it. But it's still one of my all-time favorite songs, period. But MTV was monstrous monstrous in their in what they did and then they just got carried away they just they started to create too many shows and they got away from the music they got away from what they were about and it was almost like you had to wait till later at night to find music because now it was all about the reality television and this was when reality tv was just really taking over. And not only was it taking over, it was dominating every other channel out there. It was dominating your ABC, your NBC, but, but MTV, they're the ones, they are the ones that sat there, in my opinion, and launched the reality TV. Yes, we had some shows, and it was okay. They would have a couple hours. You know, they have the real world, the road rules. They'd have their cartoons. Beavis and Butthead. I can't, when Beavis and Butthead came out, late night, and they were on Fridays, it was, that was groundbreaking. Forget South Park. Beavis and Butthead were half of my friends. <laughs> they just were. There's a bunch of idiots sitting around eating pizza and junk food, watching music videos and, and, and talking about them and then jamming out. That's what we did. And then eventually Beavis and Butthead kind of turned into like a more cartoon thing and had spinoffs and stuff like that and, and all that. But Beavis and Butthead was groundbreaking. And that was okay. Some of those shows were okay. But the problem was 
Now you were just like everything. It was everything was a documentary. Everything was a show. Everything was a reality television, so to speak. Drama. Music got pushed last. Even the breaking news. They used to have like every hour they come back with like a, a clip. And instead of a commercial, they'd have like a 30-second window of, of breaking news. And then they would have their new show with Kurt Loder. And by the way, I used to I couldn't stand Kurt Loder until I met him. And I'll get to that too. But they got away. It just got away from it. And I was like, man, MTV sucks. And I started to lean towards its its competition, so to speak, MTV. I mean VH1, sorry. Which was Video Hits One. So that, that, they were based in New York. I think uh, CBS owned them originally, if I'm not mistaken. Um, which, by the way, they also used to own MTV. But and they came out in 1985. So they came out four years after MTV. And their slogan was "We complete you." That's stupid, by the way. It's horrible. But um, it was supposed to. <laughs> be the competition but also build off MTV because they were kind of the same thing and they were under the big Viacom and all that uh, they were they were owned by the same people just through different outlets and all that but MTV was going to be more they were more rock rap hip-hop like things like that VH1 was going to be more of the lighter music you know, they wanted to focus on, like, the softer side of popular music. So you'd have, like, Celine Dion, Whitney Houston. And it's not to say MTV didn't play that stuff. You know, if, if but VH1 would do Guns N' Roses, but they wouldn't go hard. They might play Patience, but they're not going to play Welcome to the Jungle. You'd have Phil Collins, Hall & Oates. You'd have Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, NXS. But they went on a different side of that. And they did, their biggest... Their biggest thing they ever did was go after African-American audiences, the black market, so to speak. That's what they did because MTV dragged on that. VH1 did not. They had a vision and wanted to really, I don't want to say exploit, although maybe, but really showcase some of the black artists out there. To me, I'm like, hey, Yes, there's a place for black, white, Asian, Hispanic. Can we just show music and just say, hey, if music's good, music's good? I don't care what color you are, man. You can be a green Martian from, from the planet Zortan. As long as you can sing and you got a good jam, I'm in, dude. I don't care what you look like. You're still cool with me. But they also did a lot of other stuff, too. They did Behind the Music, which was their version of MTV Unplugged, kind of. No, I'm, I'm sorry. That was their version of their, their documentaries. MTV did documentaries too, but it would be like MTV, the story of Kurt Cobain. This would be VH1, Behind the Music, Aerosmith. VH1, Behind the Music, Poison. And they get into all these celebrity stories about you know what happened in the band, if somebody died, things like that. And then they would also do the Love and Hip Hop, which was cool. Love and Hip Hop was actually really awesome it was a it was a kind of a reality television sh show and it talked about hip-hop and r&b musicians managers record producers and it just it, it just went behind the scenes of, of that genre and it was actually really cool um they got into the reality shows as well not as heavy as mtv 
but pretty heavy. They still showed music, but it wasn't all the music. When MTV stopped showing music, they didn't show everything. And I remember recording VH1, not nearly as much as MTV, but I remember watching those behind the music. And then when VH1 came out with Storytellers, which was the, the counter to MTV Unplugged, that was awesome. Because they also did stuff very similar. They would come out with the albums. I watched a Billy Idol Storyteller. Oh, it was great. And they would perform he, was, he would perform acoustically, unplugged, but he would talk about these stories to his songs. How he came up with Dancing With Myself, how he came up with, um, you know, White Wedding, and, and they would strip him down and do different stuff. And he'd have, you know, musical guests on. Um, they did another storyteller, which was really cool, Tony Bennett. That one was amazing. Uh, there was other ones, and you got to hear them, hear the stories behind the songs which was a little bit different than MTV Unplugged. It's not to say that those artists on Unplugged didn't do it. It's just that Storytellers, that was part of the programming. So I would have, you know, tapes of Storytellers and then I'd buy the CDs and, and then eventually I'd download them. I still have some of that stuff on my old first iPod. So I have a bunch of Storytellers and I still have some actual CDs of those. But it was a big deal. I mean, everything that we did with music, because this was before MySpace and Facebook and podcasts and local radio stations, they played a lot more music back then than they do now, because I can't stand radio stations now. They play the same 12 songs and they might switch them up. That's it. They didn't really do a lot of news, or they don't do a lot of news now. Back then, you'd have to wait, man. You better catch it. I remember sitting there when I couldn't catch it on MTV and I was trying to hear the countdown, I'd have my tape playing the radio like 101 Riff back home or uh, WJLB back home. And I was like, okay, here's the countdown, record. And I would literally record the radio station for that hour so I could get the countdown. But MTV, I knew they were gonna tell me the news first. They were gonna tell me who was coming and who was about to announce a tour? Who was coming in concert? They would flash. They would literally do a concert update. Kurt Loder would be like, we have a concert announcement from so-and-so, Michael Jackson, Aerosmith, Foo Fighters. And they would show the dates on the screen and I'd be marking them down like, I gotta go to Ticketmaster. But I always watched Kurt Loder because I mean, he was the news guy, but I was like, he is kind of a tool. He always came across like kind of like, I'm Kurt Loder and I'm better than you until I met him. And this was years ago. This was probably 2000, maybe. I think it was. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to look back. But we were going to a concert. And this, if I'm not mistaken, it was a festival. And I think, oh gosh, I can't remember who was there? I don't know if Blink-182 was there. Maybe it was 2002, 2003. Blink-182 was there. Some 41, Avril Lavigne. Bunch of people were there. And we're walking, and this is one of those festivals where it might have been the Warp Tour, actually. It might have been the Vans Warp Tour. It was in Pontiac, so. But this was one of those festivals where, like, they've got the food vendors, they've got all these tents, everybody's handing out swag. 
I remember there was a Scientology tent there. I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm good. But they had all kinds of stuff. It was an all-day festival. They had cooling stations. Uh, you go sit and get, you know, get misted on for a little bit. And I remember seeing this tent, and it said MTV. And I was like, dude, what? Because at the time, again, MTV was on the downswing. They were more worried about the beach house and who was putting out new music. But I wanted to go over there because it's MTV. So I went over there and Kurt Loder was there. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was just there. He wasn't like, come meet Kurt Loder. He was just there. He was taking pictures, signing autographs. They had like a wheel. You could spin the wheel and win stuff. They gave you like a, a, a visor and like a lanyard from the concert. It wasn't like they weren't advertising meet Kurt Loder. He was just there. He was the guy. Him and like two other girls were running the tent. So I was like, dude, Kurt, what's going on, man? And he started talking about the book that he wrote and just talking that he came to do an interview with uh, some 41 and he's got a radio show, I guess. Like it was really cool, but his whole demeanor, his whole attitude was so different than how he was portrayed on television that I thought to myself, this guy's not a tool. He, that's just how he talks. That's just how he talks on television. So I was really excited about meeting Kurt Loder. I, I didn't get a picture with him at the time. Um, that's, you know, again, it's early 2000s, so our cameras on our phones were not as cool. They were good, but they weren't as cool as they are now. And I didn't think about it. But I did get a visor, and um, I did read his book, actually. I think he's got multiple books, but the first book that he came out with, I read, and, and, and it just took me back. Because you got to hear all these stories of him on tour buses, on him behind the scenes, and... And he never went to the beach house, by the way. I have mad respect for Kurt Loder. Not that Kurt Loder was the type of guy to go to the beach house, but I know when MTV changed their format, he was not a happy man. He was in it for the music because he was always excited about the artists and music. But when they did the beach house, like he would go check in on Sway or Carson Daly. He was always like, now let's go to Carson Daly at the beach house. Carson Daly come in and I'm hanging with Britney Spears and doing all this and Kurt Loder would be like, yeah, it looks fun. Back to the music. Like, he was just, I feel like, unfortunately, as much as I want to say I'd be at the beach house, because I probably would, I think I'd rather be chilling with Kurt Loder talking music. I don't know. So MTV, 40 years. VH1, mm, not so much. But MTV was where it's at. But what I just found out, I could not believe this. I just saw it. MTV is coming out on Paramount Plus with a new show. I was sitting there, um, I, I don't know, I might have been on YouTube or something, but I was watching the show. Now, that, now mind you, MTV is still on Paramount Plus right now, as we speak. They are on Paramount Plus. They have different shows, okay? And they're streaming a lot of the original TV shows on Paramount Plus. Uh, Jersey Shore, The Real World, uh, RuPaul's, you know, drag shows, The Hills. All those are, are currently on Paramount Plus. You can go watch all those. If you want to go back and watch, you know, Real World Season 1. You know, if you want to go watch, you know, whatever. Uh, MTV Cribs, it's on there. Um, MTV Challenge is on there. But they're also 
doing a new show. And the new show on Paramount Plus, which is, is weird to me, here they won't do music anymore. Okay? They're not really doing music anymore. But they're doing new shows. And one of them is called Midlife Crisis. It's literally called Midlife Crisis. <laughs> and it's a show from all the celebrities, or I should say all the stars of the reality TV shows that are now older, that are back on another reality TV show going through a midlife crisis. That's what it's about. I, you would think that they would put movie or like do, do a new music show. There's a market for that. I can't be the only one that thinks that there's a market for that on Paramount Plus. I don't know, but they're not showing any of the old music videos. They are, VH1 is coming out though with a behind the music and storytellers. J-Lo is gonna be on there. Um, I think P. Diddy, even though I already did one, Sean Puffy Combs. Um, Lenny Kravitz, which I think they've already done one of those. Those are new and VH1's doing a whole new behind the music and storyteller. So I'm hoping that, that MTV says, you know what? Let's do some more music stuff. Like, why not just go back to showing the videos again? Like, pick a decade and go, here's the music videos from this decade. I know people can YouTube them and all that stuff, but it would be cool to have it on a service like that. I, I, you know, um, or go back and bring MTV Unplugged and just start dropping the unplugs again. Do new unplugs. You know, there's some killer artists out there right now. Like, I would love to see The Weeknd Unplugged. That would be cool. There's other artists too, obviously. Um, Bruno, Bruno Mars unplugged. That'd be sweet. Get some of the, the hip hop artists out there that are worth something. There's only a handful, but sorry to all my hip hop fans, but this the new hip hop, I'm not into it. Um, and I don't know who would do it, but why don't, you, why don't you bring back Public Enemy and let them do it? I saw Public Enemy and they were great. And I saw them well after their prime. But, I, I, but you're just bringing back reality TV shows and. It doesn't make me want to get Paramount Plus. It doesn't make me want to run and be like, oh my God, MTV's back. I miss the music part of MTV because there was something special about it. I do. I just, I remember, you know, when the riots broke out in, in, in Detroit because of the NWA concert. I mean, let's not forget, NWA Straight Outta Compton came out August 8th, 1988. 1988. I remember when they went on tour. And they were told not to sing F the police. And they were in Detroit and guess what they did? Pontiac, uh, Joe Louis Arena. Or was it Kobo? I think it was Kobo. They came out with F the police. And there was undercover and in uniform police in the audience. If you don't believe me, watch the movie. And they bum rushed the stage to arrest them. They started a riot in Detroit because you're trying to arrest NWA in Detroit, not a great idea. I remember watching that happen because obviously I couldn't go to the concert. I was 10 years old. <laughs> I don't think my parents wanted me to go to the NWA concert at 10 years old. Or maybe I was 11 at the time. Might have been 12 if it was later, but I'm pretty sure I was 10 or 11. But I remember watching MTV covering that, that issue. 
<laughs> my dad's like, this is why you can't go to that concert. And I was like, I can't go because I'm 10. I mean, that's, there's no argument here, dude. But I remember watching that. Let's go back to that era, man. I mean, I remember those history, historical moments. That's a historical moment. And MTV covered it. So what about you guys? What was your favorite? Did you watch MTV? Did you have a favorite segment on MTV? Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're a fan of the reality shows and you, and you dig it. And that's cool. Did you prefer MTV over VH1? Or did you prefer VH1 over MTV? What were some artists that you really enjoyed listening to back in the day that you still listen to? What are some artists that you'd like to see maybe new music videos or come out with a, uh, an MTV Unplugged? I'd love to hear your comments, guys. Sorry I was all over the place and jacked up for this episode. I just really was. I, I could go on for hours. There's, there's a lot more stuff related to MTV that I would love to talk about, but I'm going to go because I got a lot of things to do today. So I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for dealing with me. I uh, hope you guys liked this episode. Leave me a message. Don't forget to follow Toy Cars on the Nightstand right here on Anchor or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts uh, because that's a great one too. Complete opposite. So it's all about you know, being a parent, um, single parent, parent, dad, kids, struggles, joys, heartbreak, things like that. Uh, it's a good, it's a good podcast. Still flushing it out. I think I'm six episodes in. Got a new episode coming out in a couple of days. So check that out. Thanks again. Look forward to hearing from you.